Welcome to Making Conversations Count, the podcast that introduces you to business leaders who share their pivotal moment with you aspiring entrepreneurs. These pivotal moments really can create turning points in your life and career. And today I have Bookso Dylan Woolley, an actor, a speaker, a coach to your higher self. And I've known Bookso for a while. Please introduce yourself, Bookso. I connect with your higher self. And our coaching sessions go via that avenue. There are a whole myriad of other things that I bring to the table as well. A little bit like the magician of the tarot card. They has a veritable banquet of um, tools that they use in their trade. And I too do that. And I never limit myself by saying one thing that I do for people. It's a myriad of things. It's the holistic approach. I think that perfectly sums you up because not everybody needs one thing to help them. Nobody needs that one thing. It's always a myriad of things. If only people realise that a bit more and we're more open to that fact that it isn't one thing that needs to be fixed in our life. It's a combination of things. And I think sometimes because you do think about it, it's not an alignment to other things that are going on, that what you think is the problem isn't always the root problem either. Correct. And that's where you find that you continually come across obstacles and it's just not getting it right. And I followed this and I know it's this and I know it's that. And I'm just not getting it right. It's because it's not that thing that you think it is and a requirement to be more open and allow less control and more of a sort of natural flow to occur by being more open to opportunity. Mm. And being able to listen to what other people can hear is going on that you can't necessarily translate. And your higher self, in fact. Yeah. We've all got one, whether we believe it or not. You know, it doesn't mean it's not happening. There is a higher aspect to us that is without any sort of judgment, that doesn't have ego, that has none of the things that we have as human beings in this 3D world that we live in. It's a part of us that is totally devoid of anything, is very impartial, and we really do need to connect with that aspect of ourselves. But we don't allow ourselves because there's too much going on. We busy ourselves with stuff to create more problems and we don't need to. And mm-hmm. I tell you now, this lockdown has been a blessing for me to find more of that in myself, to be able to clear the debris, that's flotsam and jetsam that's come across from living as a human being in life generally, you know. And so it's been a great time for me to be able to really clear out that debris, that stuff that no longer serves. I tend to agree. It's been a blessing in disguise for me as well. What it's actually done is given me back time to be able to clear my head and think about where I want to be, what I want to do, and to appreciate the priorities that perhaps aren't a priority or haven't been. You say that they are, but do you really treat them as such? And I was speaking to a friend today about a scenario that she picked up on with one of her clients that was having a bit of a tough time at home. And I said to her, as a thought, I said, if you'd have been living in your normal life, doing your job like you're doing now, would you have had the luxury of time to be able to connect with that person, pick up on that? And she said, probably not. And this is the thing. We are so much more able to be more in tune with what's going on in our lives. So guys really have to make the most of this time because this is the time where you really get to tune in with that those are past facets of your life which never see the light of day, which are always been the dark side of the moon. It's like most things, though, isn't it? We need light and dark for always. things to stay in balance. To. Yeah, you have to. And people don't want to work with their shadow self because it's horrible down there or it's unknown. I don't know what that involves. And it's not always bad. No, I think the fear is that that bad will take over. It's like anything that it's in equal parts. And you think that, well, if I've got to stay in the light and keep that in the dark, 
then that's never going to surface. But in actual fact, by actually seeing and recognising that dark, you can take its power away, can't you? And it can still be dark. Correct. At the end of the day, it doesn't control you. And you have to have that balance of light and shade. Wherever you cast a light, there is no shade. So once you do that in that aspect and area of your life, it removes the very thing that you fear, you know, straight away with the fact that you've turned a spotlight onto it. Yeah. You know, oh, it doesn't seem as bad. Oh, it doesn't seem as bad as I thought it was. And that's all through conversation, isn't it? Mm. It's all through sharing fears, emotions, thoughts, logic. It's breaking down all the barriers by using conversation and techniques how important is that for you with what you do in your role, book so? I would rather have no clients at all than have people coming in front of me and not speaking their truth and not showing their vulnerability. There is no point in me and you exchanging time, that valuable thing that we can never get back. There's no point in us doing that if you aren't going to make that promise to yourself to show every aspect, the dark aspect, the hidden aspects without any shame. There's no shame to it or guilt. It's about the vulnerability. If you cannot be vulnerable in a conversation that you're having, do not expect the desired results. Do you think that that's in part because the way that society judges that people keep those things back? Primarily, it starts because of how we've been brought up. Primarily, it starts because of the conversations we've been exposed to as kids and who we've come to spend our time with and how much of that time we spend with those individuals will make a bigger impact and what we think about that thing which exposes us. What do we think about vulnerability? Well, the environment you're brought up in, if it's not been encouraged or seen to practice yourself, by example, you know, if if nobody's led by example for you to be able to do that, so you're not going to do it. So it always starts at home and it's further compounded by the friends you keep. And Dan Pena, he always talks about, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You know, and that's what it is. People are scared to share the vulnerability because of what they're exposed to more often than not. You're quite right. It is judgment. Yes. But it's not with the family. I'm guessing that the bridge between that vulnerability and the judgment is the fact that you have a consciousness that is trying to connect why that happened and why this is happening and whether it's right or wrong. There's too much of that going on. When you think about it, 98% of what you do and thinking is done through the subconscious anyway. You know, so we spend too much time that doesn't actually garner any rewards. It's irrelevant. I do see a lot of energy wasted in irrelevant conversation. I see that in the workplace as well, that, yes, I do believe that there is a place for small talk. And I mean that in the nicest possible sense in terms of ice breaking and, you know, just generally getting a feel and a flavour for a character or a personality and this sort of thing. But by goodness, when it's used to actually just get out of doing what they should be doing, so frustrating yeah because it's easy it's easy isn't it it's easy it doesn't upset the apple cart it maintains the equilibrium they can function in that space and they know how this works if they do this this way and they will continue to do that because of fear but it's always from a place of fear for any of us why we don't do something it's fear it's fear of it and what it will bring about now book so when we first met through the Love Ladies networking yeah. group, wasn't it, in Derby? Yeah. That was one thing that I noticed about you was that you were not shy at coming forward. There was no fear in you going up to somebody and just being totally you. And a lot of people that go networking are not necessarily that themselves. 
they go with worry, they go with fear, they're anxious. What came about for you to be able to just be so book so? <laughs> Do you know what? It, it, because it isn't something I turn on and off, but it's just that's it. That's the steady, you know, baseline that I yeah. operate at. I might just turn it up in public a little bit like you would on stage. I am fundamentally who I am all the time, unless I'm really having a bad time of it and I'm in a bit of a dark place, which I visit now and again myself because I'm human. And, you know, anybody who says they don't has reached the height of enlightenment, you know, and should actually be sainted. But for me, it's like one of those situations where I can go into any place and be myself. Don't get me wrong. If I went into a place where I thought people were in there that were of a higher academic status, different kettle of fish, because they're all going to be talking in a way and behave in a way that actually isn't befitting for me. So I wouldn't necessarily turn it up in there, I'd turn it down. So if you'd seen me in another environment that wasn't my chosen, you know, environment, you would have seen a different book. So that's interesting that you would share that because I think that's pretty similar to how I am. I would class that as a WYSIWYG. What you see right. is what you get. No matter what the environment is, you kind of mirror that environment so that it's yeah. pertinent. But there's one thing that I learned a few years ago, and that is that really it doesn't matter. The harder you try to fit, mm. the harder it will be to fit. So well, how do you sustain it? You can't. How do you sustain that? That's you really can't. That's where burnout kicks in. That's where imposter syndrome kicks in because you shouldn't have started out like that in the first place. Yes. You know, you you started out up here. It's not sustainable. And for me, how you described, you know, how I was at the meetings and stuff, for a lot of people, that is off-putting as well. And I remember somebody telling me from the networking group that they suggested me to somebody to help them with their business and, you know, right down my street regarding videos and lives and things like that. And they were a bit, oh, 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 I don't know. I don't really, yeah, I'm not sure about books. So, and when she told me this, I was very taken aback because it's not ego based, but I assumed that because of who I am and how I am, I expect everybody would like me when they met me because I'm not offensive. But because of my gregariousness and my nature, to some people, they see that as a reflection of what they're not. That turns them off me because I'm reminding them of what they're not. Not intentionally, that's on them. That's for them to go away and deal with. But yeah. they chose to see that as something that was external. No, I, it's her that's the problem. I couldn't have her helping me in my business because I'm not sure about her. Mm. Actually, it's going on within. I would say I've been in similar situations mm. and know that I'm not perhaps everybody's cup of tea. And I get that. That's okay. That's yeah, fine, that's okay. because that's I can't fine, please yeah. everybody. And anybody that tries is, you know, it's going to find it hard work. But then equally, that wouldn't be the right person for me to work with either. Correct. In lockdown, I've fallen in love with that aspect yes. of it. and yes. really got to be best friends with that element and really got to appreciate you know, because I was finding so many different ways to describe what I did. And I was like, oh, what if they don't know what that means? Or oh, what if that puts people off? And I was just like, you know what? I don't care. This is no. it. The coach to your higher self. If you've never heard of what the higher self is, go and find out. Google it. Or ask me. Yeah. Because you're intrigued. Yeah. Don't just yeah. say, what the hell is that? <laughs> What's that rubbish? You know, yeah. just because you don't understand it doesn't make it rubbish, doesn't make it anything else or any no. less no. of a thing. And so I've just decided that's okay. 
that's okay. My people will come. I think you're right that we are born into a family, so we don't choose them, but we can certainly control who we surround ourselves with. And I do think that there is a lot to be said with the people that you do allow into your inner circle as well. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people through fear of loneliness, which is another topic that I touched on today, through loneliness will accommodate and allow everything and anything just so that you're not alone. Yes. And, and that's and where that bad behavior creeps in. Yeah. That's when you get your wrong clients. That's when you get your wrong colleagues. You're wrong everything because you are compromising your core values, the very essence of you, which you haven't actually got to find out yet. So people need to start with that first as well. Yes. Find out who the bloody hell you are. Who are you, really? Find out what your core values are and you'll not have a starting point. This all comes out in conversation, doesn't it? And it's about being able to sit and take notice of the things that you're saying, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've said them a lot, but you're not really taking notice of what it is that you're saying that you ought to be doing. I've been guilty of that. Certainly in the last few years, I have made sure I'm only doing the things that bring me joy. That's it. And it's unfortunate. I mean, maybe it could come to us when we are younger, but I didn't have anybody in my circle that could show me the way. And I wish I had known about it more in my 20s and given less of an F. Why is it that I have to get older and grey around the edges before I start getting like it, you know? Youth is wasted on the young. Why am I saying that? I never thought I'd say that, but it so is. Why am I finding Oh, we're now speaking like our mum and dad. Oh, for God's sake, you know, it's like... Why am I 48 knowing all of this? Why wasn't I 28? Why wasn't I 38? Because you weren't, and it is and what it is. And priorities are different, different, aren't they? It's, yeah, you know, what was presenting in life created that moment for you in that yeah. time. I truly believe that everything that I've done till now has brought me to this moment, this very That's moment it. of talking to you, Book So. Exactly, and I do think about the sliding doors element in life, I have, have I had a massively obvious sliding doors moment and there, there has been and that was when I went into acting 12 years ago I could have gone back to the job on the railway that I had before I had the twins 18 years ago I could have gone back to that job and worked my way up and become uh, a manager and whatnot like I wanted to because I was quite ambitious but I didn't I chose the route of acting which was totally alien to me but it was still something that was in my heart from the age of 14 15 that I had to just you know explore I had to exercise that demon inside about so, that so that earlier passion won no it's been the overarching theme in my life it was yeah. it was suppressed it was buried through life experiences things that went to my life not the right thing to do or yes yeah, I just put it away because a I started work getting good money great then I got married then I had twins then life took over and then acting wasn't even in my peripheral even anywhere on my map and then when I started getting the kids are about five six and I was thinking what am I going to do what do I really want to do went back to do beauty therapy really enjoyed that that wasn't enough and I was like you know what? I still haven't done anything with acting maybe I can just go back and be a background artist at least I'm on set and that's what I did and I did that for a year or two. And then a friend of mine introduced me to my current agent, who I've been with ever since. So the background work I don't do. I haven't done for 12 years. And uh, went into mainstream acting that people go to drama school to do. So, you know, it was that thing. But I'll tell you now, lockdown's cast another eye upon that. And maybe now I'm having a pivotal moment in my life where I'm changing direction altogether. Not taking the acting away, but the focus has come off the acting and more on how I can be of service now. I lost my dad in January, which has had a massive impact 
on the galvanization of me, uh, emotions and thought processes, and has brought me to where I am today. So for me, it is very much about what am I actually doing here? What is my soul's purpose? What is the very essence of me wanting? Because you talk about joy, and joy only comes from you being fulfilled and doing that of which what is your soul's desire. That's what yeah. fulfillment is. When people lead a fulfilled life, they're doing what their soul wants them to do. When we are sent these times of grief, whether it's through the end of a, a loved one's life, the end of a relationship, the end of a, a job that you loved, the end of anything brings about grief. And that is a golden opportunity that we don't see because we either bury our head in alcohol, drugs, exercise, food, anything to excess to bury Denial. it. Denial. Denial, yeah, because you turn away from it and you yeah. want something to cover up the pain. But if we allowed ourselves to let that pain wash over us, the beauty that's revealed is another philosophy of mine that I've come to channel this year is the diamond within. We've all got that diamond inside us. But actually, I'm not even talking metaphorically. I'm talking about the one to four grams of carbon that are actually in our bones when we die, that when turn to ashes, you use to grow a diamond. That's why you can grow a diamond from ashes, because of the one to four grams of carbon that remained in the ashes. And so why do we have to die in order to reveal the diamond within? Why do we have to die when we know that's already in us? There's the dark side, the hidden facets of the diamond that we don't show people that could actually bring about a lot more meaning to our lives. And I really do think that people need to talk about death and grief a lot more than what we are doing. I thought I was spiritual before, but since my dad's passing, I didn't have a great relationship with him either. So it's not like I'm mourning my amazing father. He was great, don't get me wrong, but I'm not coming from a place of a close relationship. But I still, it did something to me inside. It flicked to switch, which has changed the whole course of my compass. My ship has now started to pivot into another direction. It's similar to... When we're young and time being wasted on the young, when grief comes and we lose somebody, what actually shifts is the fact that we think we've got forever to tell them whatever it is that we might want to tell them or talk to them about or learn from them and, yeah. you know, journal them or record history. And then all of a sudden it's gone and that opportunity has vanished. Yeah, but this is it. And it's like I found out more about who I am since he passed just from how the emotions have been brought up, what things have been brought up that's like I've had to deal with, learning more about him and who he was. And at the funeral, my sister broke down during the eulogy, so I was stood with her and I just piped up, talk to your parents. They were 25 once. They, had, they were 35, 45 once. They had dreams and ambitions. Find out who they are, you know, because obviously my parents are first-generation immigrants from India and the whole diaspora that formed as a result of them coming to the UK they relied heavily on each other. They've been here 60 years and now they are, well, they're falling away. They're, they're passing away. So it's like, yeah. hang on. I realise the importance of knowing who they are and what they came here for I now think, yeah. more than ever. What strikes me is that coming here as a first wave of immigrants, they, in fact, had to deal with their own form of lockdown. Really? Absolutely. You know, it's not a new thing. No. It's happened to many pockets of society mm. over hundreds and thousands of years yeah. of displacement yeah. and wars and plague and famine and whatever. So it strikes me as odd that we're complaining now when really it's something that it is just, wow. it's just that yeah. wheel that's turned again, isn't it? Well, I mean, I don't mean to offend anybody when I say this. I'm not the most articulate of people when I get passionate. 
about what I'm saying, but when we think about us being self-employed individuals now, right, women in business, for instance, we get very worried when money's not coming in. We get very, oh, my business isn't doing very well, all oh, this, all that. When my dad came to this country, he didn't have time. He had eight people to feed, six kids, him and, you know, my mum and dad, six kids. And if there wasn't enough money coming in, he went and got another job. It's the, it's he did what he had to do. Channeling that energy into yeah. something It was survival. It was survival. You know, we don't have that carnal need for survival because, you know, we'll get fed somewhere somehow along the way. You know, I'm thankful that I've got a very supportive, you know, partner. He takes care of all the finances and things. Otherwise, I wouldn't have the luxury of being able to explore my career choices now in this moment of lockdown where no money has been coming in for me at all with the acting world shut down. But the beauty of, was that, what was that? That was ignorance. That was beautiful sublime ignorance that they had yeah. because he wasn't educated and a naive that it'll be yeah. all right yeah yeah he didn't yeah. have the ted talks of all these big speakers your bob proctor your jim rones he didn't have the luxury of a thousand books to read from and what do you do in this analytical situation he didn't have that luxury and i think that's the problem with us in today's society we read far too much we listen to far too many other people we listen to other people's opinions of things far too much rather than just thinking what do I need to do I need to bring money in what do I need to do that I need to go and get a job and the basics basics. that's what they did and that's what we need to get back to ourselves in business get back to the basics don't be too fussed about what your business looks like to other people admit it when you're having a tough time and celebrate the good times but also know that you're prepared to do anything I mean if it wasn't for my rheumatoid arthritis flaring up this year I'd have gone out and got a job that was waitering on, well, you can't even, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I can't even get out there and do anything, but I would. That's the difference. My mindset tells me I'll never go without. My bills will always get paid because I'm prepared to do anything to pay them bills. That's one thing I've realized I got from my dad. I don't think we realize just how much we look to our parents that are actually our compasses. And we don't realize that. We might be going against everything they say, but we don't realize that I made the choice that I made in life. I married, you know, out of my culture, I married a Caucasian, a white chap. And I, I did that because of what I didn't want him to be like, my husband, like my dad. I didn't want to be a, a wife like my mum. So everything I did throughout my life, it was what I didn't or did or didn't want them to be like with my parents. You wanted you know? to change the blueprint. Yeah. And then yeah. he's gone now. So it's like, oh, right. Now what do I do? Who am I living my life for now? What's my benchmark? What am I measuring up? Everything that I do, every decision that I make now, what am I going to measure it against? So maybe that's my pivotal moment was realizing that actually, oh, who am I doing this for now? Because whenever I used to sneak out, it was because I didn't want my parents to know that I was sneaking off and doing this, that, other. And when I was leading a double life whilst living with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, and he couldn't answer the phone, you know, I was doing that because of that. And everything I've done was because of this or because of them and because of the culture and what will people think. And gosh, that lifetime of having that. And then suddenly I have what is perceived as freedom, really. There's nothing to rebel against anymore. Yes. I thought I was no longer rebelling when I made that decision and came out and told them I'm marrying this chap. And I lost them. I lost my culture, my identity and everything. You know, for seven years, we had no contact. And thereafter, the relationship was, you know, not like it ever was. The the damage had been done. And I was okay with that because it was a decision I made. That was a a pivotal decision in my life, you know. And so this is what I mean. It's like you think you get the gist of life and you think you know it. And then stuff happens and it's like, wow, 
I never expected that. I never expected to feel this way about his passing mm. and life in general and my future and what am I doing in life? Do I need to continue doing this? What I do know for certain is that I need to be of service. That's it. And this... I don't mean joining a mon monastery or a nunnery. <laughs> you know, I can't take a, a sabbatical from one certain thing, uh, which you won't go into. I just know I've got to be of service. And I've got to make sure that every minute I spend with people are the right people. I've got to make sure that every meeting I attend going forward is the right meeting. I've got to make sure that they, you know, the clients I take on are the right clients. I don't have time to waste. We don't no. have time to waste. You know, that is perfectly summed up. I'm hoping that people listen to that because if there's one quote that sums you up to me is it's called the present because it is a gift. Mm. And it's something that I've, I've had that on my fridge for a very, very long time from a friend. Yet when I read it now, not only do I think of that friend, but I always think of you, right? Oh. I go past the fridge and I always think of you because that just oh. sums up your whole attitude and outlook to life so thank you so much for sharing with us today it's been amazing to have you on if anybody wants to you. carry on the conversation with you book so where do they find you okay so you can get a hold of me on instagram which is just bookso those two words together just bookso and then um, my website bookso.dw.com and anybody that comes through and quotes this podcast will get a 20% discount for my services that are on the website as well. That's really generous of you. Thank you, Bookso. I, I do I hope that people take that offer up. We'll make sure that we put those details in the show notes for you as well. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Share your comments, send them in. We always reply. Share this podcast with your friends and your family. Don't forget to subscribe. You can do that at makingconversationscount.studio forward slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening.